What's going on, everybody? This is the Chicago Rockcast, and I'm your host, Bobby Navia. It's been way too long since I've posted an interview, but have no fear. This is a brand new episode, episode four with Joe Clocky, who is the entertainment lawyer for Chicago Rot. Uh, one of the ideas behind you know this podcast, in addition to it being about Chicago Rot, uh, the supernatural independent horror film, is that uh, we get to hear about people's passions. And these people worked on Chicago Rot. Uh, they were a part of bringing Chicago Rot to life. And uh, Joe is definitely a big part of that. And, you know, I'm sure we hear the word lawyer and, you know, and it's, we just have this, you know, image in our head of maybe something really boring. But um, it's really awesome to hear Joe's passion behind, you know, what he loves to do. And so, um, yeah, it's a really great conversation, and I hope everybody, all of you guys, just really enjoy it. Uh, another bit of news to report is that Chicago Rot officially has a soundtrack, and it's available now on uh, iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, and Spotify. Um, we just want to send out a big congratulations on the album release to the Hubcap Alliance, which consists of Brant McRae, Joe Scott, James Kimball, Gub, Scott Conway, and Rachel Williams. Also, special thanks to Gravity Studios for the drum recording and mixing sessions, as well as a great mastering experience from Doug McBride. Also want to give a special shout out to our audio engineer, Sam Fell. Uh, Sam, we love you, man. Great job on the soundtrack, putting it all together, just spearheading that project. Uh, literally, you know, the movie does not exist without your contributions, and they were huge, sir. And finally, what kind of a host would I be if I did not remind you again to go and watch Chicago Rot? It is still out. It will forever be out. The rot will spread forever. Kind of like that scene in the Sandlot. Forever. All right? So, um... Here we go. Get your pens, your papers, your notes on your iPhones, and write all this shit down. Uh, the movie is on iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, Video On Demand, Xbox, Google Play, Reverie, Vudu, Steam, and Flixfling. So please, rent, buy it, tell your friends, tell everybody... Enjoy the conversation, enjoy the movie, and uh, we really appreciate everyone that has been listening as well. All right, what's up, Joe? Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm good. Is Robert weird for you to call me Robert? No, just sometimes I pick, I, I choose to say people's formal names. Do you want to know a funny story behind my name? Yeah, I do. So both of my parents picked Robert. They're going to name me Robert yeah. on the birth certificate. I'm born. My mom's in the hospital. They take me to clean me up. She says, my dad's name is Juan, John. Go and um, sign the birth certificate, right? Man gets a bright idea to add a note. And so he adds a note right there. And then my mom doesn't know about it until she gets it. And she's like, Roberto? And he goes, yeah, I thought, I mean, I just, right in the middle of it, I thought I'd just add it. It, ha it has some flair. <laughs> yeah, right. So she just added a note. So now, now, now I'll call you Roberto. How many people call you Roberto? Honestly, in addition to maybe you, if you're going to start, only my uh, store manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. But other, it, than, other than that, everybody always calls me 
Bobby. And then Jeremy is the only one who calls me Bob, kind of. But everybody else, like on Rot or whatever, just calls me Bobby. What does your name tag say? For work? Yeah. Bobby. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Bobby. But it's weird. Like on everything like official, like it'll be Roberto, Roberto, Roberto. Like at Uber, it says Roberto. It doesn't say Bobby. People, people ask me all the time, is it Joe or Joseph? What do you go? What do you like to just go by? Well, this... There was a period of time <laughs> where I was introducing myself as Joseph because I was like trying to take over the Joseph space. Okay, what's the Joseph space? Just like be a more memorable Joseph rather than just Joe. There's a lot of Joes that people know, but Joseph is mm-hmm. like maybe someone would know who. They're ta- oh, like oh, you know Joseph? Oh yeah, I know Joseph. But the Joseph space, I like that. But I abandoned that, and I mean, like, I still introduce myself as. I, honestly, there's no rhyme or reason to it yeah. anymore. Sometimes it's Joe, sometimes it's Joseph. Never Joey. But oh, okay. I have a friend who... Well, his name is... Like, given name is... I think it's Jose. No, maybe not. Maybe it is just Joey. Like, yeah. his given name is Joey. But I have a friend who's... Yeah, I just call him Joey. And a, a lot of people just call me Clocky. So, Clocky? Yeah. Okay. All right. But... Well, I'm going to call you Joe. That's fine. For the purposes of this. And if I were naming episodes uh, in a particular way, this would definitely be called the Joseph Space. Great. I love it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to start. We're here with Joe Clocky, who is entertainment lawyer? Correct. Right? Correct. All right, we're going to get all... We'll get to that a little later, but um, we're just going to kind of go in order. I really don't have a format for this. Okay. So we're just going to start at the beginning Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Lake Bluff, Illinois. Lake Bluff, Illinois. Yeah, it's a uh, small suburb of approximately like five, six, seven thousand people on the North Shore. It's like forty-five minutes to an hour north of Chicago. Grew up there, did elementary school, and then um, the closest neighboring township, Lake Forest. That's where I went to to high school. Okay. All right. And um, yeah, that's where I grew up. Where'd you go to college? I went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. It's okay. In southeastern Ohio, approximately an hour and a half southeast of Columbus. Um, and best four years of my life, hands down. What was um, family life like in Lake Bluff? Um, mom, dad, you got any uh, siblings? Yeah, my parents are divorced. They got divorced approximately like when I was like nine or ten. Okay. And no siblings, only child. One and really? Nine. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, uh, but despite the divorce, the family stayed really close. Um, my dad and his wife, Shelly, they still come over for Easter and Thanksgiving and nice. stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And, uh, um, but really great family life, always a close knit family. Um, I have family in Houston and California. They're always in town visiting. Mm-hmm. And, um, my mom's house is like, you know, it's. That's where it all goes down. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Everything so, revolves around my mom's house. All right. So there's like big family on each side or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad's one of five. My mom's one of three. Okay. And uh, lots of aunts and uncles, lots of cousins, but me, the only child. Jeez, man. Yeah. Right in the center. I really feel like I'm right in the center. <laughs> You're like the linchpin between two families here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> do you have any like uh, cousins? Like you the same age as you or? Like what sort of? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, my my cousins on my mom's side. My closest would be Richard. Okay. That's my mom's sister's son. 
Okay. He lives in Cali. He's a little older than me, but um, he and I are certainly the closest. He's like a brother to me. Okay. And then uh, my cousins in Houston are Nick, Race, and Gino, and Ryland. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my mom's brother's kids. And uh, they're also super close, but they're younger than me. But they're starting to get to that age now mm-hmm. where when the family gets together, like they can, like, I think uh, Nick and Race are over 21 now. Right, right, right. So like now they're drinking beers with they're us and stuff. <laughs> yeah, which makes, which makes the holidays much more fun now nice. that I have cousins that I can hang out with. Hang out with. Right on. Yeah. So what did you, um, so you're an entertainment lawyer. So what does, did you always want to do that? Uh, originally, um, the story goes that I was a drummer in a ska band. Originally. Now, were you actually a drummer in a ska band, or is that just a... No, I legitimately okay. was, yeah. <laughs> okay. What we, was the name of this band? It was called Era Skocracy. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forget, I forget that you and I are like buds, but like I forget that yeah. you don't know this about me. Right, this exactly. This is so weird. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I was Walk me a, through it. Okay. I keep forgetting. I'm Set like, the Bobby, scene. Bobby knows these things. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was a drummer in a ska band. We were called Aristocracy. High school, college? All through high school. All through high school, okay. Yeah, all four years. And we had, you know, we probably had like 10 or 15 songs, and we played, you know, Talent Show and Battle of the Bands and all that, sold our music on TuneCore, you know. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got a royalty Holy check. Shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, no shit. It was sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but uh, when we all went off to college, you know, so, you know, the band kind of sailed with that because we all went our separate ways. Yeah. And um, I took a law class, I think it was my junior or senior year of high school, and I realized that there was something called intellectual property. Okay. And intellectual property, as we all know, is, you know, what you create with your mind. So, you know, the the easiest ways to explain it is like a movie script, Mm -hmm. a song, song lyrics, um, you know, uh, a piece of art, a photograph, you know, a feature film. And... Just like a car or a house, intellectual property is a tangible asset you know, okay. that can be bought and sold and licensed and all these things. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that, yeah. that I could protect artists and their artwork, yeah. I was all in. Oh, shit. So I knew in, as early as high school, that's what I wanted to do. That's what you wanted to do. Yeah. So what is like, um, so what kind of like path do you do you take then in high school like is there a counselor that you went to and you're just like I want to do this like what do I need to concentrate on like is there any sort of things that you prep for in high school that will put you on that path towards um, protecting artists and their intellectual property the the first thing was looking for a college that had a good political science program okay back then um what's the what's like the year for like we're talking 2007 okay we're talking like peak well, Fall Out Boy was like more like 2003, <laughs> okay. 2004, but yeah. they were popular around then. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, 2007, and I'm looking for schools, and I come across Ohio University, mm-hmm. solid intellect, or excuse me, uh, solid political science program, and one of the few schools in the nation that offered a pre-law um, track or s- specialization, I guess, okay. you know, where you could take under the political science umbrella, you could take law classes. Oh, okay. And that's exactly what I did. So um, 
uh, and, and Ohio was just a no brainer. Like the school was, you know, top 10 party school. <laughs> more you had all your ducks in order. For oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and they had a great program and, you know, more girls than guys and they had Greek life and it just okay. checked all the boxes. Okay. And, uh, so no, I, I really did it on my own. I didn't have a counselor. I didn't read a book. I just kind of, you know, figured it out as I went, but I knew that I wanted to learn as much as I could as quick as I could before I got to law school. Okay. Um, so was it, so like if people are going to go into like the medical field, obviously you're a little bit more longer time in, in college, but see this fucking old one. All right, here we go. So yeah, if like people are going to go to school to be like a nurse or doctor, obviously they're in school for longer. Is that the same for wanting to become well, here, this is a better question. What kind of different lawyers are there? Um, I would say the two primary differences between attorneys are criminal attorneys and civil attorneys. Okay. Uh, criminal being that they either prosecute or defend criminals, people who commit crimes, violent or not. Mm -hmm. And then there are civil uh, attorneys um, uh, that deal with like real estate transactions or they litigate um, business disputes or they litigate personal injuries, okay. uh, personal injury cases. Um, and those are the two primary differences, I would say, between you know the overarching term of lawyer or attorney. So learning intellectual property like that side of it, do you have to learn those areas as well? Like, do you have to be prepped to do that kind of thing? Or is what you know and what you, what you do strictly like a separate entity? Um, when you're in law school and at Ohio, I took all different types of legal classes. So I took constitutional law. I took food law. I took criminal law. I took civil procedure. I What's took food law. Food law is like <laughs> Monsanto Tyson chicken type stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> don't get me started. Just watch Food, Inc. and like read. read okay. um Oh, God. The name of the book is escaping me right now. It'll come to me. But... Uh, there's a book that we read that was just like eye opening. Mm -hmm. um, the Jungle, of course, is one of them, but I'm not thinking of The Jungle. Okay. People are going to listen to this and they're like, The Jungle. It's like, no, not The Jungle, but yeah, right. like along those lines. Gotcha. Um, but uh, um, so when I was in law school, yeah, I learned crim I learned the criminal side and I learned the civil side. And when you take the bar exam, you're tested on all of the above. Okay. So you do have to know. You know, I would say on the bar exam, you know, out of the 30 possible subjects you can get tested on, mm -hmm. you're going to get tested on like 15 of them. Okay. So, yeah, you do, you, I, I don't know why they do it like that. I guess, um, you know, you have to be well-rounded, you know, and it prepares you for the bar exam. But I always thought like, if you know what you want to do, and right. I knew that I wanted to do intellectual property, why can't I take four years of only intellectual property classes? Right, right, you know, right, like, right, right. why not prepare students to be the best possible candidate for a job, a specific type specific of job, job yeah. when you get out of school? Almost like a trade, like a trade school. Exactly, yeah, right. exactly. Which I think is to some extent how they do it. You asked me about the medical side, like, yeah. you go into a medical specialty, right? Right, yeah. So... I don't know how you square that circle, but to me, it seems obvious. Like, and if you're unsure, if you're under, like, you know, like in uh, college, you can be undeclared or right. and not have a major, mm -hmm. you know, fine. You know, you, you're not sure what type of law you want to practice, check them out. Yeah. But for someone like me, I felt like I was wasting my time learning about 
you know, the Bill of Rights. Not saying it's not important, right. but that's not what I need to know when I'm talking about a licensing deal, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I kind of um, had that same experience. Like, I went to UIC for two and a half years, and it wasn't, like, poor research, but kind of like, kind of like in... in um, in my family, sort of, and not necessarily my family, but just sort of generally, you know, people kind of know what they want to do. So it's like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. It's like, oh, Uncle So-and-so, you know, is a lawyer. Like, look, we can go talk to him and he'll put us on the path, you know. And here I'm like, I want to make movies and do stuff. And my mom's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to help you, but like, I'll, I'll hold your hand while we do this together, right? And so um, I got accepted to the UIC, but UIC doesn't have like a, I don't know about now, but like in 2004 when I went there they don't have a traditional uh, film department it's they have at Columbia a, no, no 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 at UIC oh UIC I'm, UIC. Sorry. I'm sorry I'm sorry if I said Columbia um, but they don't have a traditional like film department so okay. it's a it's an art department yeah right so like film art is you break all the rules of conventional filmmaking so you know everything that you're supposed to learn three camera setup I mean you know three light setup interview all that stuff like y- you break all that like I can put a camera up on you and just have it framed so it's only so it's cutting off half of your face and make you do a monologue and that could just be my art piece that I present to the class because right. there's a reason why it's like this and like that but I don't have to give you those reasons I just have to you know get in a reaction or emotion out of my audience I, I, I I'm, I'm with you man I yeah I, it's really it was but it was frustrating because I didn't have those those base rules you know to, to break. Because I, I had never been like, oh, so this is how you set up a camera. This is what an interview style should be set up. Or this is that, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Dorian talk about like the line, like when you're when you're watching two people on film or in a movie talk. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're talking to each other and the camera is going between like a wide shot profile and like over the shoulder shots, the over the shoulder shots are from the same shoulder. So if it's like the camera's looking over my right shoulder, mm-hmm. it's also looking over yours but if you oh, break, if exactly. you cross the line, that's a, like a rule breaker kind of thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That it's like some 60-minute shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right, right, right. So, so it's like rules like that that I didn't know. They're just like very fundamental to yeah. know. And then I'm like breaking those rules and then getting frustrated with the fact that like, I don't, this isn't art to me. It's a fucking sponge. Like, I know. In the corner. That's it. I, I, I'm with you, man. Like yeah. the, 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 the bending and the breaking of the traditional, you know, uh, uh, rules or the traditional modes of thought or art or how even, how even you educate kids, I think is definitely on the way out. And I understand like, you know, having to expose kids to, to the basics and have right. them get the basics. Like I totally agree with that and don't dispute that. But, um, kids, at least in my experience, they know what they want these days and have, and like forcing them to be, quote unquote, well-rounded, just, I, I don't, I, kids know what they want to study nowadays, yeah. at least, at least in my experience, right. you know, um, I, I hear that from a lot of people and obviously yourself included, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to study interview stuff. I wanted to study like how to make a feature film. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. So, right, right. Yeah. I was learning, I was taking art history classes and I'm just like, I, I mean, this is cool. I love art, you know what I mean? And I love history, but I don't know how this is going to like, I mean, Ron Howard made the Da Vinci Code or whatever. I'm really not going to go and like, you know, redo that. And, then yeah. the, you know, I was just, you know. You're going to reboot the Da Vinci Code. Reboot the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you cast besides Tom Hanks? Oh. 
if I was like really trying to do it. Yeah, you gotta go like you gotta go. If full I'm gonna be like serious, like yo, like guys, I'm I'm rebooting the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I would probably um, Oscar Isaac. Oh yeah, I would, I would. That would be like my. He would crush it. He would crush it. He would crush it. He, dude. Would, he would be really because he's just intense and he's smart. Like I would I would start with him first for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I would start with him first. Um, how about you? Who would you cast? Oh, I can't top Oscar Isaac. I'm not even gonna attempt to do it. That that you nailed it. Yeah. That, that one came out of nowhere. Yeah. I and feel you like it. I I was also thinking like who's got some really nice hair like too, like Tom Hanks. Like I think Oscar Isaac's hair is just a little bit more realistic yeah. and authentic than Tom Hanks' hair in mm-hmm. the first Avengers Code. But you know, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's coming to mind, but he's been passed for some time now. But he would have been good. Yeah. He would have been good. Yeah. yeah. Go blonde, like blonde Bond, you know, but you go blonde, Ooh, yeah. whatever Tom Hanks' character from the Da Vinci Code is. Blonde Robert Langdon. Robert Langdon, Robert that's right. Langdon. Yeah, that would be good. He And Philip Seymour Hoffman looks like a Robert Langdon, does he not? He does. He does look like, a, not that like all sort of like, you know, educators are, you know, a little bigger or anything, but I mean, if you're... You know, he does look like a, a Robert Langdon. Yeah. I could see him as a Robert Langdon for sure. Yeah. Um, so law school. Law school. Yeah. Where'd you go to law school? I went to John Marshall Law School. Oh, okay. And just to keep all of our listeners up on timeline, yeah. we're talking it's 2011 right now. So you graduated college or? Graduated OU. Okay. So 2007, so uh, uh, summer of 2007 graduated mm-hmm. and then um, I interned at Ford Models okay. in Chicago <laughs> Okay, and that was a good job Yeah, yeah. because like Perfect 10 Models like we had open casting every Thursday uh-huh. Perfect 10 Models would just walk through the door Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had to take down their name and their number and their headshot mm-hmm. it was a good job <laughs> and, then, uh, and then fall of 2011 I was enrolled in classes mm-hmm. and then uh, graduated 2014 awesome dude yeah Awesome. How long is is uh, law school the same length as like a, like college? Like four year or it's just three years? But I did four years worth of school. I got my master's as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you did the extra. It's just an extra year for one year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I All think. Right. All right. So what is the? Um, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Let's see. So you graduate. Mm-hmm. Law school. Yeah. And then. So after you graduate law school, what's What's the next step? Uh, next step, passed the bar exam and then did that and then um, uh, get my first client, find a job, become mm-hmm. a lawyer. Because I was a clerk for three years. I worked through law school and that was fine. Um, but now I'm a real lawyer and now I have, you know, now I'm a quote unquote professional, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, obviously there's responsibilities and obligations with that. But yeah, find a job and get clients. Right. So and since you're going into intellectual property, like what sort of intellectual properties are you like, what do you like? What do you like in terms of movies, music, that kind of thing that you're going to be into, you know, going into like representing, you know, and protecting people, uh, people's art? Absolutely. Good question. So uh, there are two types, just like there are two types of lawyers for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> there are two types of intellectual property. Okay. There is what is called hard IP, or I mean, that's kind of like a slang term, but in the industry it's called hard IP. Okay. And that is patents. So okay. inventions, right. new and novel ideas. And then there is soft IP, which is um, copyrights and trademarks, okay. which is the 
prime in, in, in entertainment, mm -hmm. you're talking about soft IP. Okay. You're not talking about, or excuse me, you're talking about copyrights, trademarks, licensing, you know, the, the going back to the tangible assets that I was talking about, like mm -hmm. those types of artwork as it relates to copyrights and trademarks. Okay. All right. Is there anything sort of specific, like, what are you into, like, music-wise or movie-wise? Like, your your tastes, that's a, you know... I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I like rap music. Okay, what kind of rap? What, what sort of... Lay some artists on me. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, my, I mean, my big guys right now are Lil Uzi Vert, of course. Okay. He's uh, out of Philly. All right. And then um, I really like G-Eazy. Okay. He's... Uh, the best white boy rapper out there right now. All right. Um, and he's from San Francisco. Um, and then, of course, anyone who knows me would say, you got to mention Lil Peep. Okay. And um, unfortunately, Lil Peep recently passed away. Yeah, I saw that. Um, he was a young guy, just turned 21. But uh, lucky for us, he left us with a, uh, a just total catalog of music hundreds of songs yeah so um but yeah those are my three guys that i rotate right now okay yeah all right didn't you use oh and of course chance the rapper so if chance you're listening i love you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i um i actually when was it when did the what movie was it it was i think it was that movie marshall that came out about thurgood marshall I didn't see it. I didn't see it either, okay. but I think it was that movie that came out and I was like Ubering one day and I was on Twitter because I follow Chance the Rapper on Twitter and it was like around the time where, not that he has stopped doing a lot of things, but it was around the time where he was just like on the news like every night for donating money here and donating money there. But he had uh, like, it was, I think it was one of the first times where like a, a theater, uh, he, he bought out a bunch of times for... Uh, one theater like on the far south side and then another theater close here into like the south loop yeah and was just like just go up there drop my name and go check out the movie like oh you, cool you guys should all go see this movie and it was just one of these i actually tweeted him back and i was just like if i have ever had any like real dreams of being like famous i would just want to use that fame to do like shit like that oh that's just just be like you know what i mean like, hey i just bought this entire theater out you know like go see this movie because it's important for whoever to go see this movie like that was just really 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 awesome to to see and read and hear about oh uh, i that's chance's middle name i mean he does yeah. that i think he did it with black panther too oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i'm sure he did yeah um he dude chance chance is the man uh, uh anyone who says otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about chicago is so unbelievably lucky to have him uh it, i just i can't even stress that enough yeah. and dude i mean I want the dude to run for office. I want him to run for mayor. That, I mean, that would be really cool. Yeah, he he could totally he could totally do it. Yeah, too. No. Um, what kind of movies are you into? Uh, movies. Um, uh, I mean, the ones that immediately come to mind are like Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction. Um, my favorite my favorite film of all time is The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward nice. Robert Ford. That's a mouthful, but that is the legit title yes. of that movie. <laughs> yes. And um, Casey Affleck and uh, Brad Pitt just kill that movie. That movie's awesome. It is so good. It is such a good movie. And yes. there's there's a hundred other awesome actors in that movie that I'm not thinking about right now, but yeah. it's so good. Um, What's the last movie you saw? I, Tanya. Oh, all right. Yeah. That yeah. was good. What'd you think of that? Loved it. Margot, Ro Margot 
Margot Robbie. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie yeah, one of them. She's awesome. You really think she's Tanya? You don't see Margot? No, no, yeah. I really like. I liked the movie because I thought. Um, I thought it did a really good job at making you like all the characters, despite like the domestic violence a that's going on in yeah. the movie. But dude, then, that was wild. I mean, that was like my mouth was open for a few times on on that on that shit right there for sure. But um, but also at the same time, it, like very much highlighting the fact that like we don't have a specific you know sort of storyline for what actually happened. So you're hearing so many stories that by the end of it, it's like. Okay, well, did we actually get a real story about what happened? And like, it's like we kind of did, but we kind of didn't. But I mean, the timeline they had to shoot that movie too was like really, really, really. Oh, I didn't even know. It was like something like twenty or thirty days they had to shoot that movie. Oh my goodness! And like, you know that scene where she's in the mirror, like towards the end, and she's putting on her makeup. Yeah. She's just kind of having that breakdown before like her qualifying. Like that. That I heard an interview with the director, and like that was just that had to just be done in like one shot. So that was the only take they did of it. And before they shot it, the cinematographer called the director over and was just like, maybe you can ask her if she can like put on all her makeup and we'll just start from there and go through it all. And so he went over, made the note, and she's like, great, cool, I know, I know what you want. And then just did that entire scene. Yeah. And then there was just kind of like, and once it was done, it was like, okay, good, cut. We need to get you into like other makeup and hair for a different time period where you're going to be skating around and it just had to go, go, go. Oh, wow. So they were filming like a whole different scene. Yeah, but they like... would film like different time periods. It's like, oh, this morning, in the morning, I'm going to be like a teenager. And then, you know, uh, in the evening, I'm going to be like... That's know, wild. It's, it was nuts. Was dude. it because it was low budget or they had scheduling issues or... Do you Probably know, just you because know? it was low budget. Yeah. You, know, you just keep the, the budget low and, you know, just, just shoot, 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 shoot and everything. But... um. No, yeah, that's what I really dug. I really dug that movie a lot. Um, so, with being an entertainment lawyer, like, is there some some entertainment specifically that you shoot for, like, after you graduate, or something you eventually want to get to? Yeah. So the the first the first thing was get clients, right? And that's why we're here. Is my first client was Chicago Rot LLC. Okay. And, um, I was obviously drawn to the, the, the primary aspects of entertainment law because entertainment law is really uh, a compilation of a lot of different areas, intellectual property, contract law, um, uh, commercial law, uh, entity formation, you know, a, a lot of different types of things with, you know, employment law, a lot of different things go into entertainment law. Okay. Um, and what I was primarily interested in was representing films, okay, musicians, primarily like rappers and producers, okay, and then uh, uh, fashion labels or brands. Oh, okay. And I was lucky enough, you know, over the past three years or so, I've been lucky enough to represent all three. Nice. And I just hand I help with their intellectual property portfolios. So mm-hmm. I handle that specific. You know, when you say entertainment lawyer, I kind of handle that specific part of entertainment law. I don't really do, you know, employment law and, and, and those types of things, although I do know a little bit about it, but I really focus on those types of clients' uh, intellectual property needs and okay. making sure their art is protected and organized. Yeah. So what goes into a, like a portfolio for um, an artist, for like, let's say a filmmaker, since we're okay. talking, since the umbrella here is Chicago Rot, like what goes into the portfolio for Chicago Rot LLC in terms of being like set up and stuff. Sure. So the main objective for managing someone's intellectual property portfolio is keeping track of all the rights. 
Okay. And because so many different types of rights are created with all of the different, um, uh, uh, you know, aspects of the film, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah. But rule no or step one is setting up an entity that will um, be essentially the the shed or or, or the 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 home, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, for all of the rights. Okay. Um, and so we set up a business. Yeah. And the the reason that it's nice to have one central entity owning everything is that you can keep track of them. Okay. So then what now what do you have to keep track of? You have to keep first and foremost the script. Okay. Um, secondly, the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, any music associated with the film, which you know, Brant and his whole crew made the most epic, awesome soundtrack yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> and um, honestly, some of the most compelling music I've ever heard. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, uh, the you know, the, the logos or any artwork associated with the film. So, you know, Dorian's girlfriend, Hannah, she did the, uh, the uh, movie poster. And right. then there's the Rot Dot. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, any other number of other, um, uh, you know, logos that Chicago, they, they had the tire tracks one and they oh, had yeah, yeah, yeah. the one with Brand's chest and right. there were so many different ones and all of those images and all of those, you know, all of that intellectual property is owned by Chicago Rot LLC. Right. And then of course there's owners of the LLC. Okay. So that's what you have to keep track of. So we got the script copyrighted. Oh, and then of course, the the movie itself with all of that with all of that you know combined into it so um we copyrighted the script we copyrighted the movie um you know we talked uh trademark a number of times and discussed the pros and cons to that it's not for everyone but we discussed it and um yeah it's just making sure that the the business the 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 llc is properly protected I feel like I heard kind of like, you can tell me if this is in the same ballpark. There was this movie that came out more than a couple years ago called Lockout. And is that the one with Guy yeah. Ritchie? Uh, or Guy, not Guy Ritchie, Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so um, it came out a couple years ago, but they ended up being sued by um, John Carpenter and mm-hmm. um, his whole team or whatever because the plot to Lockout was... Uh, eerily similar to Escape from New York, which oh, okay. John Carpenter had directed, you know, yeah. many, many, many years before, or whatever. And so, um, I was following. Uh, I was following that. I might have even been. I think we might have been done with Rot already. But I was following that, and they, were, you know, they were claiming that it was just sort of like you basically just like took the idea and just you know used it and you know put it in space. You know, so it was a, the president's daughter gets trapped on a prison in space. Yeah. And so the government gets this guy who is a criminal and they say, we'll clean your record if you go up there and get her. And it's like the same thing as Escape from New York. Yeah. So Or, or like uh, avatars like Pocahontas in space. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it like that before. I, I forget who told me that, but I was like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. It's Pocahontas in so, space. Like, do you see stuff like when you're looking, you know, when you're looking just as at, you know, let's say films like for, you know, that we're talking about it right now. Uh, do you see stuff in media that are like, uh, I guess just to put it in layman's terms, like, oh, wow, like this person, if they wanted, could, could sue for this or has a case against this. Like you just said like, oh, you know, 
Avatar is like Pocahontas in, in space. Yeah. You know, are there, are there, um, what are sort of the, what are sort of the lines like to drive into? Because every movie is somewhat essentially ish, the same movie, you know, it's, in, right. it's inspired by this, this, and this, and this, you know? we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. Yeah. Right. What's, what's, uh, what's to stop, you know, some Japanese filmmaker who, you know, inspired Quentin Tarantino from, from suing him for, you know, uh, Kill Bill or something like that because it may or may not be eerily similar to old Japanese films that he's seen and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a really good question, and I hate to give the the typical proverbial lawyer answer. No. It, it depends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It really does depend on a yeah, number yeah, yeah. of things, and the first first and foremost, um, it, I, I, you know, there are numbers of tests for copyright infringement and things like that but without getting into that the first and the number one thing that matters is money Mm -hmm. like if you have the budget to reach out to things that to to artists and creators and filmmakers that inspire you and say i want to license your plot for my film i'll pay you fifty thousand dollars you know it's just like buying a script right you know and, and um so that can be done with like movies too. Oh, absolutely. Like, okay. like I didn't know but, that. Yeah, but yeah, a yeah. lot of people will just steal and get sued later. Right. Right. And so, and, and there's a lot of times where you can take inspiration from a number of films uh-huh. and get sued, and then you, you'll be found not to have infringed their copyright for right. any number of other reasons that, like I said, it just depends. Mm-hmm. But often, what you'll see is that people will buy the rights to either a script or an idea or a plot. To save themselves on the back end. Can you buy the rights to like an already, like if I wanted to buy the rights to an 80s movie that came out in the 80s because I want to update that movie? 100%. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So if, yeah, like I'm sure like, you know, like Baywatch, like the Baywatch reboot. Yeah. Or, or 21 Jump Street. Yeah. They 100, I think it was, you know, Fox made 21 Jump Street. I think that 100%, you know, well, they probably just licensed it from themselves or whatever they did. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they, they, they looked in their catalog like, hey, you know, let's dust this one off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if whoever made, who, you know, regardless of who made the movie, if Paramount came along and was like, hey, we want to reboot 21 Jump Street, Fox mm-hmm. would have been like, great. Million bucks. Yeah. Here's the idea. There you go. Right. You know? Um, do you have any, like, so lately now when I'm going to the movies, there's a lot of, um, you know, when you go to the movies and all the logos for the different companies are popping up and everything like that. Sure. What are, I mean, it seems that like a lot of Asian companies are being like formed and like now coming in and like producing like movies. Like how does, is, does that touch you at all in terms of, you know, the entertainment side of it or the legal side of it where like another country is coming in to sort of support something and all, all that kind of stuff or are I don't s- know if I'm like asking it are you right talking like that they that they like uh, you know it was one of those I can't remember if it was Chinese or Japanese studios that like footed the bill for one of the Avengers movies and they just put like one of the big you know um, Chinese or Japanese stars in the movie what movie was that? Was oh, it? Yes, was it? Was it Avengers? Talking, no, you know what it was? It was um. Yes, I know what you're talking about. It was oh, Iron Man three. Iron Man was it? I think it was Iron Man because Iron Man three had a very I don't know his name but it had a very like uh, respectable and popular Asian uh, movie star in yeah. it. Yeah. And in the U S, like his scenes are are cut. 
No way. Yeah, like I think he's in a he's in like a group scene in the beginning of the movie, but like in China or Japan or whatever it was, I'm pretty sure it was China. He's actually has interaction with the character of Iron Man and Tony Stark in a in a bunch of different scenes. But I think that movie Iron Man 3 was one of the first ones that was like co-financed by an Asian, you know, led film department. Is that, is that what you're talking about though? Yeah, yeah, like does that does that have any does that change sort of, you know, conversations or anything like legally when it comes to you know the, the u.s and um, like another country coming into you know as far as intellectual property or no oh yeah i mean yeah in a, international intellectual property is yeah. like a whole beast in and of itself okay so all of the intellectual property that that um i deal with you know protecting it yeah. is within the confines of the you know the united states okay um you and there are certain you know you know, safeguards and things that the big media distributors do to protect your content. But um, the proper way to do it is going into other markets and going to, you know, the uh, Chinese version of the USPTO, which is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, okay. and then registering your trademark with them and doing it in Europe, you know, okay. and there are, you know, gigantic firms like international firms that will do this for you. But you know, I'm not there yet, but right. one day, yeah. one day. But yeah, there are all, you know, all the different markets have their, you know, protections. Like, uh, I, I'm sure to some extent the USPTO has protections and things that they can do for your IP outside of the US. Yeah. But the, the primary focus is other people within the US infringing your, your rights. Okay. All but right. yeah, yeah. So how does it work with, um, with music? So we had, we, you know, you talked about the the music that Brandt did for the movie and everything like that mm. that's just protected under the entity of Chicago Rod LLC too or is it is it different from yeah no that's all it's all um, again you know I I can't you know ethically I can't no, say no, no, too yeah, much yeah, yeah 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 but that all of that paperwork right. is 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 negotiated and talked about and disclosed behind the scenes mm -hmm. and all of the people that worked on that specific aspect of that intellectual property right they have all of the proper you know they they come to the proper agreement with the company mm -hmm. about what they're going to do with their with their ip okay yeah all right all right so how's it been with how was it having chicago rot as your first client uh it and first of all, I, I can't thank um, Jeremy Vranich and, and Dorian and Brandt and Kelly enough mm -hmm. because they they trusted me with a gigantic project when I was green right out of law school. Mm -hmm. They were my first client and they they saw something in me and I saw something in them and I was very happy to have them. You know, I, I worked for free for month, for years <laughs> yeah. before right. before I ever saw a dime from this project. Right, right. But um you know, I learned so much, you know, I, I, I flew by the seat of my pants. It was trial by fire and, um, I learned so much. So now for movie number two, mm -hmm. I'm only that much more prepared right. and, and I know the types of issues that we're going to deal with. And before, cause when, when I got involved with Chicago rat, yeah. I, the, the, the film had been in production for years before I got involved. Okay. So I was kind of coming in and trying to figure out what was going on and, and pick up the pieces. Playing a little bit of catch up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not that it was bad by any no, means, right, but right. I, I had to kind of come in and get um, up to speed. Right. That's what that's the what I was looking for. I had to come in and get up to speed. Yeah. So, but for moving forward, instead of acting, you know, retroactively, I'll be proactive about what we do moving forward for right. movie number two. And <laughs> yeah. we're going to be 
much, much better off for Chicago Rot 2 coming, mm-hmm. coming soon. Come soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, Dorian. <laughs> the return of, Le- of Less. If you had to, like, all right, if you were, if, like, if Dorian came to you and was just like, we're going to do, we're going to do Chicago Rot 2. Yeah. I need, a, I need a title. I need, like, a solid, just like a. What what would what would your uh, what would you go for? We well we got to look at all of the like really bad but awesome '90s movies and all <laughs> of the sequels, and then just like come up with one of those. Like we got to look at all the Ninja Turtle movies and all the Die Hard movies, and um, all the Beverly Hills Cop movies and like Ooh. you know all of those like trilogies and sequel like those yeah. big famous '90s movies. Well, I guess. Beverly Hills Cop was like 80s, but all right. But all of those really awful, awful sequel names, and then we got to <laughs> look at all of those, and then come up with some sort of combination of all of those, and it would be Chicago Rot Two, something, 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 something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like there's the Transformers, like Dark Side of the Moon, Ooh, Transformers: yeah. Revenge of the Fallen. Like those are terrible movie names. They are. And that's how bad it, and, but we should do it sarcastically. Yeah. <laughs> Make it so bad that like people can't forget it. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I sometimes think about if, uh, um, well here, this might be a, a good question then. Like how does, yeah. how do sequels work? Like how does, you know, let's say someone wants to come in and I might be just answering my own question, but if, you know, the entire crew decided like, okay, yeah, we're going to, you know, entertain the idea of a sequel or if someone you know 10 years from now yeah. comes and says like hey we want to you know we want to do a sequel we have an idea is it just doing how you said earlier and just sort of licensing like uh you know can people license certain things and be like well we don't want to license the music but we want to license like yeah, these you, characters you can license the name okay so you can you know you can get paid just to call your movie Chicago Rot 2 you know, Revenge of the Fallen or whatever, you know, they come up with it, like, you know, um, the, the Son of Less or yeah, something. Yeah, right, The Son of Less. You know, um, what was Less's girlfriend's name in the movie? Alex. Alex. Yeah. Alex? Alex, yeah. That and that's Shira. Jeremy's, Shira, right. Shira. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, Less and Shira, like, Less knocks up Shira mm-hmm. and then Less dies and then, oh, sorry if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> but there's much more to the ending than that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, spoiler. That's but cool. uh, so then, but then Shira lives on. Right. And she, and without telling any more about the movie, but then Chicago Rot 2, like, is 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Shira may be in the picture, not in the picture. Right. Who knows? Yeah. But the, the second movie is all about Les's kid. Kid. Okay. And then he grows up and then contacts Les from the beyond. The beyond. Dude, I just wrote that you whole movie. You just wrote the whole thing. Yeah. You just pitched it right now. Yeah. And then and then Les Jr. and um Calamity Jane's character hook up. Uh-huh. And then then you have the the trilogy. Ooh. I think one of these days I'm probably going to be like, uh, I think I want to license Chicago Rock. Yeah. Oh, so you're asking me, um, how does it work with sequels? Yeah. So obviously, you know, now that we're 100 plus years into making movies, you know, studios have had the forethought to already own the rights to any sequel or trilogy under an option, what's called an option on, on the movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
And that just goes into, you know, like contracts and stuff like that, right? Yeah, everything everything is negotiable. Like yeah. a lot uh, what people people get so scared about contracts, right? This this is actually important. People get so scared about contracts. The beautiful thing about contracts is is that if you upfront before you sign it, mm-hmm. if you can sit down with the other side, the other party and contemplate every possible thing that can come up every possible situation that can come up and yeah. you can agree if X happens, we're going to handle it. We're going to handle it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, if X happens, this is how we're going to do it with Y. Um, it, you, you're never going to have a problem. Yeah. You know it. And so that's why, you know, people get so scared about contracts, but as long as you can sit down with someone and just say, listen, if this is how we're going to handle things moving forward, it's going to be fine because right. each each side knows where they they stand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So when you're drafting a contract, especially for a movie, yeah, you're going to include an option, and then the actors. Mm-hmm. If you're signing on to do this movie, guess what? You also have to agree to do the second movie and maybe the third. Gotcha. You know, okay. and then the actor is going to say, "All right, well, I will agree to do a second movie, but right. you have to pay double my quote, right. and I'll do the third one if you pay me." double my quote plus another million or whatever it is, you know? So it's just all about leverage, bargaining chips. And as long as you can contemplate if a second movie happens, Mm -hmm. no problem. But now you got to pay me 5 million instead of 2.5 million, you know? Right. 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 All right. Yeah. That's that's interesting. It's interesting to sort of like get the behind the scenes of all that, because I know at least for me, my knowledge is just sort of like, Oh, Natalie Portman was like really pissed off doing Thor 2 and then she said she would never do it even though she was like contracted to do it or whatever or the the third one or whatever. Oh, I'm know? sure I'm sure it cost her a couple of bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, you know, can can actors or like buy their way out of like a contract or no? I'm I'm sh- it depends if you yeah, con- if you agree if you contract if you if if Natalie Portman's lawyer put some sort of you know, refusal clause in her contract. Okay. Like if she right, right, pays right. you back half the money you gave them, yeah. she doesn't have to do the second movie. Yeah. But obviously that's not in the studio's best interest because they want continuity with their characters. But like right. per- perfect examples, like Terrence Howard from Iron Man 1 to Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Don Cheadle, yeah. who was, in my opinion, much better. Mm-hmm. And then another example was um, uh, uh, Rachel... What, Tom Cruise's ex-wife, Rachel from Batman. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, not Rachel. <laughs> Rachel's her name. Oh, Batman Rachel's in the movie. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, Rachel. Was like that. Katie Holmes. Yes, yeah, Katie Holmes. Then, then they changed it to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah. was like, what the fuck? Right. Excuse my language, but, you know, that's not a good look for the studio. So I'm sure it cost them. I'm sure it cost Katie Holmes and uh, Natalie Portman a couple of bucks to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the stu- the studio's attorneys were. They had a strong conversation with yeah. their representation. <laughs> but you know, stuff happens. So what kind of? Um, so aside from you know Chicago route, you said you're also doing music and what was the third thing? Uh, fashion uh, brands. Fashion brands. Yeah. So. Um, where does all that where does all that take you you know like is is um i mean technically chicago rod is not done like we're still out we're still promoting it and all that doing all that kind of thing so sure. not to say that like your job is like done on chicago rod but where does it where do you go from here like is 
is the is sort of the dream or the go to stick with um like low budget film like indie film that kind of thing or you know you're is that still on the track and then if something bigger comes along it's there but also that same question with like music and you know fashion sure so i would say uh the primary aspect of my business that's really popping right now is music okay um i've been tremendously fortunate over the past year or so that you know i've been you know not only was i a part of the culture all through law school but also um the last three years in practice my name is you know, starting to get around. Nice. And, you know, people hit, hit me up weekly yeah. and ask me to look at this and what do I think about that? And the overwhelming majority now is music, yeah. uh, specifically rappers and um, Do they just send producers. you like tracks or what? They, what do they, like, what do they, what do they, they send you? I get a lot. You can say. <laughs> I yeah. get a lot of tweets, actually. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and just because that's how the kids communicate these days. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and for the ones that I... It, to a certain extent, you can start to see who's serious and who's not serious okay. and who like, you know, um, who's not weird, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. put it lightly. Right, right. So the, you know, when, once you filter those out, you exchange email and then, you know, I, the number one question I asked is I, I asked them directly, like, what do you need? Like, what specifically is it that you want or you need? Mm-hmm. And if they come back and they aren't sure what they need, you know, now I'm getting to the point in my career where it's like, come back to me when you know what you need. Okay. But a lot of kids recently, when I say kids, I really do mean kids, kids like yeah. 19, 20, 21. Right. I guess they're not kids, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll be like, here's a contract that I was offered by this manager. Okay. You know, what's your quote? Obviously, this kid has a good head on his shoulders, like, you know, and... Um, he's willing to pay me rather than just like, you know, I, I don't work for free anymore. I'm past that point in my career. Yeah, I don't right, work right, for free right, anymore. Right. And to come at you like that, he's like not treating you like a fool. Like, Hey, yeah. you're, I know you're just going to do this. Like just, just do this for me or something like right. that because this is what your job, you know? So sure. My time is my money. Right. It's respectable to say like, it's respectable to say that like, here's a contract. What's your quote you know, yeah. right off the bat. And so, and, um, and you know, so I look at management contracts I look at label contracts, publishing deals. Um, I look at uh, like production agreements between artists and producers and how they split their royalties and all that type of thing. Um, and I forgot what your question was, but that's the primary uh, portion of my business right mm-hmm. now is, is uh, navigating that space for young music, musical artists. Mm-hmm. My, question, my original question was if... Um, like, where does all that take you? Like, where do you want to go? Like, what's what's oh, sort of, right. like, the future for you in terms of, you know, either just sticking with indie film or, or, or that kind of thing? I mean, is there a day where you eventually would like to not keep getting clients through Twitter? Not that that's <laughs> a bad thing, because that's the age we live in right now. I mean, people pick people off of YouTube and shit, and they just become multi-million dollar stars. Yeah. You know, seemingly overnight. So, I mean... Um, I'm not saying that like you, you will do that or won't do that, but I mean, I, I, I don't think it's bad to sort of like have an idea or a goal. (laughs) Absolutely. I was actually just thinking about this, uh, the other day, you know, what is my finish line? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was listening, I was watching, uh, uh, I think his name is Gary V. Okay. And he's, um, he's a guy that invested in like Twitter and Bitcoin and, um, uh, a couple other like the big startups like Uber might be one of them, but okay. I, I'm not certain on that. But it was definitely Twitter and uh, Bitcoin. Okay. 
and um, I was watching. He's not an inspirational speaker, but okay. like he's got so much money that you can't help him be inspired by him. Yeah. And he says, "What is your finish line?" And I like looked at my wife Kimberly, and I was like, "Damn, what is my finish line?" Yeah. Um, and I think my finish line is one of two things. It's either working in house for a major record label or movie studio or internet service provider like um, like uh, AT&T okay. or uh, uh, Viacom mm-hmm. or the Time Warner, all okay. those big ones, because the, the licensing of intellectual property, especially in the digital space, is th- th- that's the whole thing. Yeah. That is the whole business of intellectual property, TV, uh, uh, music, streaming right now, exploding, mm-hmm. exploding. Right. And, and who runs how we get our content. Right. Internet service providers. Yeah. And they're the ones making yeah, all the true. money. Right. Um, so working for one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the other side, instead of working in-house, is working at, you know, a, a huge national or international firm with 500 attorneys making a half a million a year. Yeah. And having, you know you know, first and second year associates like do all my work and then I just go to court and argue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. Yeah. The dream. Um, but that's my finish line. And then um, going back to, you know, so, you know, going from Twitter to that, how do I get there? Yeah. Um, I, to be completely honest with you, I've gotten my best clients off of Twitter with, with the exception That's of great. Chicago rot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten all of my best clients off of Twitter. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I'm a big, big proponent of Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, you're not doing it right because that's how you can connect and get, I think the most personality from someone by reading their tweets and kind of understanding who they are rather than posting a picture with a filter on it. Although I do love Instagram as yeah, well. Right. Um, how do I get there? Just doing what I'm doing, man. I, I I try to go out and about. I go to shows. I, I, I take meetings whenever I can. And just meeting people mm-hmm. and building that network. Yeah. And like I said, my name has got around. And one of these days, I'm hoping that I get I get a, a Chance the Rapper or, yeah. you know, a G-Eazy. And yeah. he says, like, hey, man. Heard about you. Yeah, I heard yeah. about you. <laughs> I, I, like, I like what you're doing. Yeah. And it's starting to get there. I mean, I, I, it's so exciting for me because if you had, it's like that famous saying, if you had talked to me three years ago and said, right. Hey, guess what? You're going to be representing so-and-so and having meetings and conversations and phone calls with, I can't say anything no, because I, know, I have an ethical obligation to my clients, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm talking to people in New York and I'm talking to people in LA, right, other right. attorneys and, and people at big firms and, and really big companies. And they pick up my phone calls and they answer my emails and for them to take me and my clients seriously is like, it's just wild, dude. It's That's so exciting, wild. Man. Yeah. That's like super exciting. And then I always just name drop my other clients like, Hey, you know, when you get a chance, like go watch Chicago rides yeah. on all major streaming platforms right now. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. <laughs> I did that the other day while I was Ubering and some guy like actually looked it up in the back seat and he goes, <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He's like, it's not my cup of tea, but I'm sure my daughters will be would be into it. They're into this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was like, sweet. So, um, well, as we're wrapping this up, yeah, right now, um, through through all this, um, you recently got married. I did. You got married. I did. When did you get married? 
When? Yeah. Uh, my anniversary is September 22nd, nice. 2017. Yeah, so, I don't know, six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Eight months. Um, it's great. Married life's great. Um, I, I forget who I was telling, maybe Jeremy. Um, but after you get married, you really, really do like feel some intangible, stronger connection to someone, at least... Kimberly and I do yeah, to one yeah. another. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you guys have been dating so long. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> and for the most part, our day to day, you know, the logistics of it is that's true. But, you know, now it's like, I, I guess maybe that's like the, the honeymoon phase or whatever yeah. they say. But yeah, I yeah. definitely we definitely feel a stronger connection to one another for sure. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Shout out, Kimmy. Shout out to Kimmy. Kimmy Clocky. Yeah. Well, dude, is there I mean, is there anything else you want to put out there? Is there anything you want to? promote put out there about yourself i mean like you're a really big part of chicago rock you know i mean like i know you and i didn't have a lot of you know interaction uh sure. during pre and production and all this other kind of stuff so you're kind of like a phantom to me sometimes because i would just hear about joe and everything yeah but uh i mean i really pre- i really appreciate everything that you've done do you know what i mean uh like you're an awesome collaborator awesome artist oh thank you so much and um well yeah number one thank you for having me yeah Thanks um, for doing this. Yeah, love the pod. And uh, I haven't caught the couch yet, but I will listen to the couch. I'm a big podcast guy. So I, you know, I'm sitting at my desk in my office all day and it's podcast podcasting. after podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a- as far as promotion, like follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. at Backpack Lawyer. Um, backpack, like actual like backpack, backpack that you carry and yeah. lawyer. Um, and uh, I don't have Snapchat. Um, I don't know how I, Snapchat I'm, works. Yeah, I, and uh, promote, promote, promote. Um, if you do, I mean, if not, um, I mean, check out the uh, YouTube channel Elevator. Okay. Um, that's uh, one of my clients. They're totally popping right now. It's uh, run by a guy named Brian Zalaki. Um, and uh, he's just killing the game. He's got over 1.1 million subscribers, and he puts out like the hottest content on the web right now. He's competing with uh, like uh, um, World Star and XXL and, oh, okay. and Complex and all those guys. Like yeah. obviously those media companies are on gigantic platforms, but he's created something from nothing just with a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he has so much content on his blog and his uh, YouTube channel. So if you don't know them, check it out. It's just it literally go to YouTube, type in elevator. It'll pop right up. It's the first one. Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, dude, I really appreciate you doing this. I've learned a lot. It's been great to get to know you more. Great. And this, like my previous episode, this is like the first full-length conversation I think I've ever had with you. I'm happy to do it. I, awesome. I, please have me back sometime. <laughs> yes, no, we will. For sure, for sure. All right, man. Thank you. Bye.